Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about doing that good RPG archaeology so you can find new bones of old games to make into new bonier games. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're going to be talking about the RPG sprint from the last couple of weeks and trying to differentiate hacking versus full-on game design. All right, so first episode of 2020. And Brandon, for this first episode of 2020. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this, and, and I, I want you to know this, that I, like, I recognize that in your life, you have married the woman you loved, and you've had a wonderful child. Yes. Something special has happened. Okay. They released a trailer for Fast and the Furious 9. <laughs> And it is one. It is wonderful. I actually have yet to see the trailer because I haven't seen the last couple Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, okay, so then there are definitely some spoilers. Yeah, yeah. In that of those movies, um, not <laughs> dramatic spoilers. Nothing. Like, I mean, there's a couple weird twists that you probably wouldn't have guessed. But um, now that I'm done boy, with Hyperdrive, my next thing that I watch, other than like everything from Test Kitchen, is maybe. Yeah. Uh, is maybe all of the Fast and the Furious movies in order. <laughs> I'm I'm still only on five, I think, of my rewatch. Okay. So I need to keep going. Um, I think I saw one Boyd through is, six, one through seven. Boy, does this trailer ask a lot of questions. <laughs> or cause me to ask a lot of questions. Okay. Like, what the absolute flip is going on in the heads of these people. <laughs> um, I, like... <laughs> I know that I have followed the journey from Fast and the Furious 1 yeah. to Fast and the Furious 9. And so I know like how the story progression happened yeah. and how we got here, but still this like the one of the strangest like I mean so this is like when we ultimately write a game about th- this <laughs> we're going to have to do a like one of a couple things like we're going to have to either just like pick a tone. Yeah. And say this is the tone of the game, or have like a whole section that's just like, look, we understand <laughs> that the tone can that, shift. That this is ridiculous. Here is like, and and I think that for the most part, there is some rules creep, maybe. Okay, but but like I don't really actually think that so much different is happening. Okay, it's just the scale of what's happening, right? Is more ridiculous. Like, Which, like, if you go D and D has that also that like you yeah. start off that you're fighting a single rat, and later on you can theoretically fight an army if they don't attack all at yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that first the first movie involves them like driving crazy fast cars to like. Uh, is that the movie where they they are they're stealing trucks by flipping the car around backwards? And or no, sorry, that was the no. that was the that was the animated series. Okay, um, but they were stealing trucks, and they were like, um, they were stealing electronics from moving vehicles, and like they were out on the hood shotgunning people. Like things happen in that movie that don't make physical sense. Yeah, and in Fast and the Furious eight and nine, and like where we are now in the series, like those things are still happening. They're just happening. More All frequently. of the time. Like, there's more of those scenes and less of the, hey, your your turkey sandwich is really great. Let's have a conversation about this. Literally, I was about to mention the turkey sandwich. <laughs> so, and so it really is an interesting, I think, viewing it as, I think, like, it's really interesting because I think that the movies basically give us a level, like, a level progression. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, actually, I think that if your games started off like Fast and the Furious 1 and then eight sessions later... <laughs> Was Fast and like Furious? Fast and the Furious Eight. That would be that. That would be really slick. That would be a tough thing to manage. Okay. Although I mean, like, yeah. if you think about like how a lot of Apocalypse World games go, like you start off and things are kind of are like relatively level. Like things are not that strange a lot of the time, and just as things get weirder and weirder, everything sort of ramps up until you're like strapped to the yeah. front of a. Of a it's like, eighteen wheeler with a big uh, guitar that shoots fire. Yeah, and like it, it is almost like there's some kind of weird corruption mechanic that is just spiraling out of control. And like you could start there also, but you know it's it's kind of natural to end up building up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but in the, like 
in in your first session when the police show up, you're going to run away. Yeah. And in the ninth session of your your get your your game, you're going to drive away in a car off of a cliff hooking a piece of the rope bridge onto your car so that when you hit the end of the the rope, it swings you back around and up onto another part of the cliff. Perfect, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like a perfectly normal physical thing that's totally plausible. Which, like, I'll be uh, honest, that's kind of what I want in all my games all the time anyway. I was talking online with uh, Emily Booza, who guested on Brodian City Comics a little mm-hmm. while ago before I kind of went off the deep end and got, like, even more <laughs> into bizarre comic nonsense than I have been. And I was just, like, seeing, like, the level creep of strangeness just from us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what if more games started weird? <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think that, I think that's definitely something. Given that this is the first episode of 2020, maybe we should come up with, like, a nickname for the year that makes, <laughs> makes reference no. to, uh, to start to play in your games and starting them out weird. Mm, I don't know. That feels like somebody else's bit it's a a bunch of other people's bits i'm just joking around so some bookkeeping things that i wanted to cover before we move forward with this episode or of course our first episode of 2020 yeah um two big things well sorry one big thing and one really small thing but (laughs) they felt they felt equally big to me um two enormous things of the exact same weight yeah i'm ready for them yeah Yeah. Um, hit me with these bombshells (laughs) our patreon hit Two hundred uh, and one dollars a month. Oh my um, gosh! Thank the, actually, you. the coolest thing about that was that I like, and so like I, I recognize that objectively this is maybe a less good thing. But we went from like almost two hundred dollars with about fifty patrons to about two hundred dollars with about sixty patrons. So like each one of our patrons is giving less money, but we have more patrons. Oh, that's cool though. We got more people and, like, supporting and, us. Like, that's honestly, wonderful. Yeah. Like, honestly, I like the fact that we have more. I would rather people give us like one or two dollars, um, but encourage their friends and, and bring more people on and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's wonderful that people are supporting us. And so 201, what does that mean? What have we hit? It means what, that we are vastly, vastly overdue for uh, doing our live show. Yes. OK. This show. And it means that now we need to pull together the cast of Protean City Comics and do an evening with the cast where we talk about some of the stuff behind the scenes. We bring people on or we ask we have uh, listener questions and that sort of thing. And just sort of talk about the show and the production. OK, and, cool. So a couple how, live shows. We do it. Yeah, I think that's pretty easy. Cool. Um, I think that I was originally conceiving of the 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 Protean City evening show as being something where we all try to get together. And I don't know that necessarily that's going to work. Uh, <laughs> things have changed. Uh, a couple babies were born. Uh, I think it'll be cool. We can find a way to uh, pull it all together with a with a Twitch stream. Yeah, February is a pretty big month, also in terms of. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you did you see the Magpie newsletter? Uh, no, I actually wasn't subscribed. So James, uh, I am. Oh, and then I went to go subscribe, and it told me my email was or my name was wrong or something. Well, that I sounds right. I'm, I'm, Your name I'm sounds wrong. St- I'm You're still, still not, not subscribed. Can, I'm still not subscribed because it still won't let me. Oh my god, me some error. <laughs> Um, but that's a whole other thing. I'm going to figure that out. Well, uh, if, if the, the, (laughs) my God, I was going to, I I was going to be all coy, but like there was a post in there talking, uh, hinting at a, uh, Kickstarter that might be happening in February. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm passionately excited for it. So are they. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Passionately. Passionately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> can we talk about that more openly or are doing that I, I think probably <laughs> at this point i think it's pretty much public knowledge um that uh that pasion de las pasiones is going to be hitting kickstarter in february which is pretty cool yeah actually we're there so we're, th- we're in february <laughs> we're really you cannot, we're really there so it's imminent you cannot believe how high my stress level is right now oh i have some ideas yeah but that's true <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, but yes. Yeah, N- new so dad, new job, Kickstarter happening. Yeah, what can we? What can we? I'm not even gonna say something. I thought some things, but I'm not gonna say them because then they'll happen, and your life would get worse. It would be my fault. Okay, so. yeah, don't make my life worse. <laughs> um, but hopefully everything will go well, um, and hopefully people will finally get to back your game and uh, and then play it and then stuff. 
I'm excited. There's some, there's some really cool new systems in it. We have like some of the stretch goal stuff that we're looking at is going to be so much fun. I'm I'm really pumped. One of the things that I want to do when we when it's out and it's like fully kickstarting mm-hmm. is um, either as maybe as a full episode um, or as a supplemental episode. I want to like properly interview you about the game. Oh, true. Yeah, that's like, something do, we could like do. either do an episode about about just covering because like we you literally started writing that game with like the second or third episode yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, I'd love and to so do a maybe some of our some of our more recent listeners who didn't dive that far back into the into the the crappy um, audio of the earlier episodes <laughs> um, maybe don't know the origin story, and so like I want to do that, and I want to flex my interviewing muscles a little <laughs> bit and and see if we can't get a cool thing. No, I'm I'm definitely down for it. Cool. Maybe cool. maybe next episode. M- next episode yeah, might well, make so sense. I guess Who knows? There's 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 a couple weeks that it could be. Yeah, I think we so we definitely need to do a live episode. Next the next episode is on the 17th. Um that would work really well for me to do in a live episode because I'm off that day. Okay. Um and so I can at least even if you're not off from work, which sounds like you're not, I'm I can not. prep beforehand. Yeah, I can probably um, get us all ready. I can probably make that happen. The the only um, question would be if I'm pulled for magpie stuff, but I can yeah. try to make sure so that's not the case. Let's I want to because uh, let's as soon as you know, let's try to make that plan and let yeah. people know, let our listeners know because we want to do it as a we want to do it as a live show. We want to do a questions episode. So we want to give people time to write in yeah. and and ask questions. So as soon as we know if we're going to do it, then we'll we'll uh We'll we'll give you a, a way to email us letters, probably to uh, James at at, at at Stop Pack and Roll, um, or we'll I'll make a form or something. Cool. Um, but we'll, we'll collect some we'll collect some things. I want to do that. I want to. We're like we're <laughs> we're really overdue, and so uh, we've hit our next goal, which actually means we need to start probably thinking of more goals. Yeah. Um. And and figuring out if we actually hit that three hundred dollars, how we're going to make this podcast, <laughs> or if I'm going to grab one of our other lovely uh cast people to do this dungeons and dragons podcast with me i could see it going a couple different ways well we'll have to figure out how it goes <laughs> well, yeah we yeah. have some time before uh hopefully we have some time slow down with your donations people <sighs> um so um and the only other bookkeeping thing that i wanted to say is um so i have i do this thing where i jump this is into the equally random huge this is, this is the, the other I, bombshell. Yes, this is okay. the other bombshell. Um, I jump into some random Twitch streams of people playing tabletop games. Um, and I just because I like to see what other people are doing. Um, and so Twitch has started just recommending them to me now. And and I like to see the kinds of games that people are playing. And, and I like to find specifically streams that have like less than 10 people in them and go like engage with those creators and and see like and just like make them feel like there are people actually watching them as if they're going through the effort of streaming yeah that's awesome Um, and and i don't do it a lot and the one of the last times i ran into some very troubling content oh god yeah um and and so i had to uh, i stopped for a while because i was just so disheartened that like um yeah, that was like and, that was horror show. It was it was really bad. That was really it was bad. Very bad. It was very bad stuff. Um and so I finally got back into it this weekend and I stumbled into um Welcome to the Party. They are twitch.tv slash welcome to the party or welcome party RPG. And coming from my last experience was like joining a stream that had some cool miniatures, which is why I joined, but then like had actual human beings in the year 2019 in blackface on yeah. twitch yeah like, which really was not good horrific to, this was a stream where they were playing worldwide wrestling they were like specifically they had called out in their about section that they were like a they were an organ they were a group of people who were looking to play games on twitch um and make a safe space for people of color and lgbtq plus people and um all sorts of people and it was a, it was a it was a very cool stream and um they were I got sucked into their story of all of these wrestlers. <laughs> um, I have actually like That's still awesome. to this day not played worldwide wrestling, which is mind blowing to me. Um, and I really need to correct that. But these guys, these, these folks did a really good job. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I mentioned that one of the players had a, they had, one of the players had a giant, 
teddy bear behind them, like a giant stuffed, like human sized stuffed teddy bear behind them. And I was like, in the chat, I said, hey, do you realize that there's a bear behind you? And the guy sold this panicked like double take looking behind him <laughs> uh, and it was that's when i was like all right I, i'm i'm in i love <laughs> this is a good this is a good stream so so not really not really groundbreaking news no but maybe groundbreaking go check them news out. james james um, you promised groundbreaking news and this is indeed there are there are good people on the internet who twitch stream uh cool games that's well that's horrifying that doesn't seem like it could be real it is though yeah i'd love to watch more so. streams sometime I've been- it's hard because it's like I don't know. I, I'm so used to edited content. Yeah, yeah. That to like see it all live is kind of is interesting, and you have to play in a certain way. I think to stream definitely. It, it's 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 interesting, and also they play for long periods of time, and I don't have a long period. Of time. Yeah, I have I have some some future goals of going like, oh, how could I do streaming in X Y Z way? Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe 2020. Probably not 2020. Maybe, maybe for our first episode in 2020. 20, yeah, maybe the first uh, episode of 2020. Um, but yeah. one of my rules for 2020 is saying no to more things. That's good. That's important. Yeah. And I've been doing it. I've been saying a lot of no's. Uh, like, for example, setting up an RPG sprint for this week. <laughs> I just yeah. never did one. Um, I didn't do it. I did uh, finish the micro RPG that I had to send in. Well, um, that's, that's part of it. And so, like, I hadn't said ahead of time that I wanted to do that, but I did that thing, uh, and then I that did counts. a bunch of fussy old that stuff. Counts. So part part of like I was talking to someone in the in the in the in our Discord about this that like part of the thing that is great about Agile is that it's designed to do that. It's designed so that when you have when you when you like something new comes up because you didn't like you weren't planning on doing some some right piece of writing for uh, one of your games, but you decided that, that now is the time to do it. Then you up then you you're not abandoning, but you're benching yeah. or shelving the stuff that you said you were going to work on, reprioritizing and bringing new stuff into the sprint. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was the way to do it. I had to get it done, um, and I'm happy yeah. with it. I'm really it's um it's a fun little. Uh, dungeon crawling micro game thing it's like very narrativist uh but also very brandon it has really high chance of character death (laughs) well yeah that's interesting yeah i want um okay i'm not gonna follow that thought right now (laughs) god um i am one of these days i'm just going to like put aside all of this superhero stuff and all this design stuff and just be like (laughs) I am running Dungeon World and nothing but Dungeon World and it is nothing but dungeons and I am the grognard <laughs> indie guy. Watch out. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at um, every once in a while. Uh, somebody posted about uh, dice that have little dungeon maps on them and Ugh. you roll and it's like it like the still like story dice. I love it. You roll you roll all these dice and then you can just like you have to m- rearrange the the dice so that they make a little dungeon map. And so it's a way for you to like oh my God, I love just that. impromptu create a dungeon. I love that. I'll see if I can't find the link and post it again for people, but I am was... I am fantasy hot garbage. <laughs> and I always will be. <laughs> so um I pull I pulled a classic a classic James maneuver. Um, this is how I've been. It's when I've you been uh, bet- it's when you get into a chair by putting your leg over the side of it. Yeah, yeah. A, um, that was a Star I, Trek reference. Did you catch that? I got a no, thing. That's uh, not a Star Trek that I'm as familiar. No, with. No, it's not. But the Wrecker maneuver. I don't know. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Sorry, you derailed my thought process. <laughs> um. God, where were we? Uh, so I, I, I think I intended to do some other stuff for the the Fast and the Furious. I like this is the I have been very bad about actually filling out what things I'm doing for a work like a this whatever sprint. Yeah. Um. In in your Prime Sprint document, and so we recorded that episode, and I promptly forgot forgot everything I said I was going to do. Yeah, me too. And and instead, I worked on a space between. Okay. Um, I did a really so like I had not actually looked at my notes from Metatopia this year. I do this thing where I tend to take a whole bunch of notes, try to internalize the the feedback, and then just do some thinking about it without looking at the specific notes. 
because again, I don't want to make the game that someone else wants to make. I want to make right. my version of yeah. the game. And so I don't want to like go back and get too hung up on the specific words and feedback that people gave. Yeah. But whatever, however many months out we are now, a couple months, I I went back, I went through the notes, and I... So the specific thing that I did was actually I set up a board, like a Kanban board, a Trello board, okay. on in Notion, because Notion... Uh, this is like, also, welcome to James. I switch back and forth between... <laughs> organizational material uh tools constantly so i'm back on notion uh notion is actually where all of a space between lives right now i made a copy of it for 2020 because i have a copy from 2018 and then i copied it and, and updated it for 2019 so i have like historical records of the game yeah um and i made a kanban board and i just went through and created a whole bunch of cards for everything that someone had said about the game Okay. Um, and so, like, should there and, or or thoughts like anything I write whenever I write um, notes, I tend to write them down in the fr- in the fr- in the form of um, if it's a thing that I want to come back to, I write a little checkbox next to it. So I just went through and found all my checkboxes and wrote them up as cards. So now I have all of these cards. Like this route doesn't work, or okay. this route is not enough, or look into this one other game to do some research on, or should there be cards that add this thing? Yeah. Um, is character creation enough that's Um, nice because then you can start like working through the different cards yeah and so then i I broke them all up then into um problems which were like things that caused the game to just fall apart uh things like there's still a timing problem there was a messaging problem about communication in the fiction that i needed to solve um there was a general tone problem that i thought the game was a little too sad still uh in a very specific way and um, I raised the question of do the game has currency and do, do I still think that it needs currency? Okay. Um, and then I, so I had those, I had this, this is the first time where I made an effort to when I, whenever players um, ejected cards or uh, had feedback, I wrote down the card number. Oh, so nice. I could go in and say, review these specific cards. These yeah. cards need review. Um, and I went That's through great. and, just so I actually in the like uh, spreadsheet I have for the game, um, I went through and I have I ha- so it, like it keeps all of them as a spreadsheet, and I have a, a column that is review these cards. So I processed all those cards, marked them as all as review, and then went through and reviewed them, changed some wording on the ones that needed wording changed. I kicked a couple cards out of the game. Um, I had a section of game of cards which is still my longest um, called design. Okay. For all of the like big picture things that I have not written yet. Okay. <laughs> like, how do I help people understand what the scenes should look like? Yeah. How do I do I need a stress mechanic? Do yeah. I need to I need to write a list of touchstones for the setting? The sort the sort of big picture stuff. Yeah. Um I had a couple production notes, things like look into um a certain company to print the game. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I realized I hadn't actually started a list of the people who had play tested the game. And so I frantically tried to find the names <laughs> of everyone who has played so that I can thank them as play testers. Yeah. Um, and then I, I created off a section of, these were initially in problems, but I moved them to their own section of root review. Okay. Or the, the, the actual routes that people are going on. And so I now have that, that list I can I can and then I, because of the way that Notion works, which is very cool, I can either see them all filtered by type, so I can look at the the different kinds of problems, the card reviews, the design challenges, and then for whatever I'm feeling like, I can go do whatever, um, or I can organize it as these are the things in my backlog, these are the things that I'm working on, here are the things that I've completed. Nice. And so I completed all of my card reviews. Um, I reviewed the one scenario where I had a player have to just tap out of the game because just too much was happening. Okay. Um, and I went through and I re- reviewed like what, um, what the c- there there was a problem where I I wasn't as specific as I wanted to be about what the death scenes look like. Okay. For when a, a player dies, and I really wanted those cards to be very identical. Yeah. In terms of what the scene, how the scene played out, so I went and rewrote both those cards, uh, and so that's what I've been doing. Um. And then that's great. That sounds like some really good progress on yeah. maybe the game that is more present, right? Yeah, which is which is that. Yeah, it's I, I'm realizing that I'm getting close to this game being done. So uh, on Sun Sunday, I think I actually started drafting like what the book should look like. Awesome. Um, I'm focusing on doing this kind of 
Scrivener style, the way that Scrivener has you write out things, because that was what I was doing um, the Parting City book in. I have sort of put that on pause because I want to try to do this do instead yeah. for a while. Um, and it wants you to focus on building chunks, like small chunks of writing, and then figure out how they all work to, uh, together. Interesting. So, so I, I kind of like said, here are things that I'm going to need. I'm going to need a character creation section. Yeah. I'm going to need a, a section that describes how you pick a route. What are the different, how do you start the conversations? Yeah. How do you end the game? Um, what are the, what are the world building things I want to, I know I want to have sections on that are not mechanical, but just purely game like fiction. Yeah. And then like, what are the kind of basic game book things that I want? Like, I want a be- beginning, like, what is a space between? What should you expect from this game? Mm-hmm. I want a a section on safety mechanics. Yeah. And so I kind of built out a thing, like a, a page in Notion that has sub-pages of all of those. I have no idea how I'm going to arrange these into a book. No, uh, yeah, the order. So, will and so the order doesn't the order matter. Yeah. The, the, the purpose is getting them on, on page now. Yeah. Um, I actually did a... Of all those things, I did a whole bunch of writing for the safety mechanic page. Okay. I would say that it is almost done. That's awesome to have a section that's almost done. I had to go do a bunch of research um, on safety mechanics. My game yeah. is um, enough like a LARP that I wanted to make sure I brought in some LARPing safety mechanics and so like in in most tabletop games we have like we talk about the x card and lines and veils and i have that yeah um in in the rules but i wanted to go look at specifically there's a bunch of larping uh focused safety mechanics about de-rolling where you like because you've been inhabiting the character physically how do you pull yourself out um and then or like and then re-roll yourself as yourself uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, and so it was interesting because a lot of a lot of the stuff that people recommended was stuff I was actually doing naturally during playtesting, where I was sort of saying, "Now tell me about your story that you told," yeah, and getting them to like not talk in character but talk about the characters. And so, so that was interesting. I, I did a bunch of research. I always like to go to people like uh, Jacqueline Brick, who has written a lot on safety mechanics. And I actually just sort of asked some general questions and got some very helpful responses from uh, Anne Ratchet, who was writing a an article specifically about safety mechanics and bleed and de-rolling. And it was a it was a great sort of like jumpstart guide to I it was a, again, it was a lot of concepts that I had in my brain already, but yeah. pulling them out and like seeing someone write them all in a sort of organized format was like, okay, I finally understand a lot of these things and I understand how to translate them for my game. That's great. So, having yeah. like having that as a building out point, you can start moving in kind of like either direction and just getting yeah. more of it done. Yeah, I started the page for the what is a space between, but I didn't do a whole lot of writing. Okay. I'm kind of like I was saying to you, I don't know how long the book is going to be, but it's going to be as yeah. long as it needs to be, and hopefully not a lot longer. Perfect. Um, Doesn't I, need to I, be. I'm gonna just kind of, I'm gonna kind of write for a while and see what feels normal, and yeah, and I guess at some point I'll have to lay it out and see how many pages it is. Yeah, and then then you see where it is, and you see if you, yeah. if it's something that like depending upon what kind of formatting you're using, you might need to add more pages or take away some pages in order to make it like an easily bindable thing or whatever. Yeah. But like you know, in the end you make the content that you need it to be and then you go all right done yeah and that's where having a lot of the um the cards for like what i want to do for design cards yeah um a lot of those are informing my what is going to go in the book so that i can know like right should i have a section on this should i have a section on this how much do i based off of the playtesting how much do i need to tell people about this um i would not have i would not have like thought that i really needed to spend too much time in a book on the the fictional ability of characters to communicate between each other not during the scenes but in all of my playtests that's been a huge problem so yeah so it sounds like good, you need it's that. to be in the book perfect that's awesome yeah. so that's that's where i am and uh i actually think that my my next sprint is going to be mostly continuing that uh, i would like to get a lot of the core mechanics written down those are things that are not really being designed right now i think okay. things that are mostly done and so it's mostly just get the words on paper i have some of it written down from 2019 
And so to be translating it from the like one page sheet that I wrote of the totality of the rules into (laughs) more elaborate chunks for each of the different sections. I think for me, the majority of my sprint is just going to need to be passion stuff. Yeah. Um, there that's not super interesting, but, uh, not that it's not interesting, just like, you know, it's not big content for the uh, SHR. Sprint, sprints are not, yeah, sprints are not about being interesting, though. It's about getting work done. And I so mean, but podcasts get the work done, are about having content. That's fine, but we'll find content <laughs> elsewhere. Elsewise, the sprints are not for the podcast. The sprints are to, the, the sprints are there to get you making games yeah. and being effective with your time. And the podcast is here to talk about the things we do. Yeah, that's true. And so... I think it's fine. And, yeah. And you will now have a whole new set of experiences about kickstarting games yeah. that we haven't been able to talk about. So that's, that's true. Of good content. That's true. And that's true. God, I'm so stressed. stress that people go through. I'm so stressed, man. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't even have to do that much for the Kickstarter because yeah. I'm working with Magpie and Magpie is like handling a lot of it. Blessedly handling a lot of it. But <laughs> oh my God, I'm so stressed out. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, do you have anything you want to talk about before we move on to a different topic? No, I'm I'm up for next topic. Okay, so <laughs> this is another great example of of the quick turnarounds from <laughs> uh, proposed a topic to uh, hey, it's in a show. Uh, Daniel in the Discord asked us a question, a series of questions at about four o'clock today on monday and you're hearing it now in in the tuesday episode um i was looking for another topic and it was right there so here we are <laughs> um, james asked me like what do you think about talking about some of the things that daniel was asking about and i hadn't even seen them yet <laughs> so uh i rearranged them a little bit and this is basically the order that i think i want to go through them in cool um, we haven't really had a comp. So yeah, I think I think that sort of the crux of the topic is game hacking versus game designing. Yeah, where 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 which is really like not not game designing because hacking is game designing, but like full like fully designing a game from scratch. Yeah, that's kind of the theme the, the of of these questions and the and the topic. And I think that is an interesting like we have. Over the course of the podcast, we started explicitly talking about hacking games. Yeah. Because most of the game design we were doing at the time was like, hey, I really like this game, but. Yeah. Or I would love this game more if. Yeah. It uh, was, we, we started out very much in a building within the same game so that yeah, like you're or, not playing a new game. You're playing a new game. You're playing the old game, but different. Yeah. Or like, I really like dogs in the vineyard but i want to play it in a fantasy western setting yeah what do we need to do mechanically to help support that or i want to play a different kinds of fantasy classes in D &D. yeah um and so as the podcast has progressed we have sort of we, we covered a lot of basic topics about hacking and i think that we kind of quickly moved into game design in a larger space yeah um in a broader picture because we definitely still talk about game hacking, but like we just had like a half hour conversation about a space between, which is a game that I wrote from scratch. Well, okay. Mostly from scratch. So I think there's two ways that we can kind of tackle this. One is the slightly pedantic and less useful one. And one is the one where we just decide on some terms and go from there. Mm -hmm. Because the slightly pedantic one is like, there is no full game design. Right. Like all game design is hacking because you haven't come up with something new. Like no one has come up with something new for ages. Right. Like the games that blow your mind are still game game hacks. We just pretend that they aren't. We like say like, oh, this is a new technology and it's not a new technology. It is like rolling with questions is tags and tags are just (laughs) stats. Yeah. And stats are just rolling two dice. Like, so, like, yeah, it is definitely, it's definitely that conversation of like, how many planks in the boat do you need to switch out before it's not the same boat anymore? Yeah. And so that's kind of like the obnoxious pedantic thing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think we need to just like define where, where we are saying one ends and the other begins. I guess for me, 
I would define game hacking as you're starting with a, a pre-existing game mm-hmm. that has a set of mechanics. You're maybe starting with an SRD or some like reduced version of those mechanics with the theme pulled out. Whatever it is, yeah. And you're rewriting or reorganizing those mechanics, removing stuff, bringing in other mechanics from other games that you like, um, writing new mechanics as needed to build a new remixed version of that game. Whereas game design is you're building a game from scratch and you're obviously taking mechanics from other games that you liked and influence from those games and assembling a thing without that structure there to begin with. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's a little nebulous where the difference is. I, I feel like for me, just personally, um, if, I'm refer, if I refer to the game that's the original game when I'm trying to pitch playing it, then I've done game hacking. If I use a new name, then I've done like a full game design. Yeah. So like if I say to you like, hey, do you want to play uh, Splinter Realms, my new playset for masks? Mm-hmm. then I have game hacked, right? Yeah, 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 Like, even if it's, like, a substantial hack, even if things are really dramatically different, mm-hmm. if I pitch it to you as masks, then it's hacking. Yeah, we have that concept. And but if I, I think that, pitch it in the other way, then it isn't. But I think that that's... I think that, like, kind of what you said about being pedantic about this is, yeah. like, all games are bits and pieces of other things totally. we have experienced um, in rearranged into an amalgam that is the thing that we want. And so that's where I think like, I think what you're saying when you say, if I pitch it as a, a masks game, or this is a Dungeons and Dragons hack, or this is a blades in the dark hack or whatever, then what you're saying is I started with that framework and worked towards that mashup in that direction. And I'm still in that framework, right? Like, like I have decided not to shift out of that framework. Well, but even if you have, like, like something like Headspace is dramatically different than a lot of other PBTA games, but it is often referred to as a PBTA game because that's where Mark started. He worked outwards and built stuff and structures that no longer look like math or look like PBTA. But so like you wouldn't say, do you want to play some apocalypse world where all of our minds are connected? Right. Like, yeah, so that, that I think but, has, has transcended but I think that people definitely hacking. refer to Headspace as, I mean, I mean, I, I guess when people say something is a PBTA game, aren't they saying it's a hack of, of Apocalypse World? I Isn't guess, that just a formal way of saying that? I guess, but like, how is that a use? It, it isn't really like a useful determination after a certain point. So well, like, like right. there, there are games, a- hacks, there are like PBTA games, right? That feel like Apocalypse World, that are almost just Apocalypse World, just with different paint, right? And then there are PBTA games that are practically indistinguishable. Like, I mean, not, uh, you practically can't tell. Like, uh, Blades in the Dark is something that people describe as PBTA. And like, that is completely useless to say that. Yeah. Because there's nothing about Blades in the Dark that you would look at it and go, oh, this is why it's PBTA, right? Like, yeah, functionally, yeah, it isn't yeah. a useful description. And so, like, I think you could say um, that Apocalypse World is a and d because all you have to do for D&D is hack it so that the resolution system is 2d6 move rolls instead, uh, and just everything is a spell, and those spells work in these same ways, and then suddenly PBTA is a and d yeah. I and think like, so that, that's not useful though, right? I think, well, so see, I, I mean, I guess I disagree a little bit. I, because again, I, I would define hacking again, like, ha- again, like, I think it, for me, it's are you sitting down with nothing and pulling parts of their games together or starting with a game and then shif- shuffling parts in and out? But I think you're, you're always like the order, the order kind of doesn't matter. Like, if you, if you start off with Apocalypse World, right, and you shuffle literally everything out, like you start off with Apocalypse World, yeah, and you, yeah, yeah. you slowly switch the parts out until it's Vampire the Masquerade, yeah, then you haven't made a PBTA hack. 
You've made well, Vampire the Masquerade. But that's because you've replaced all of the parts with all of the parts of a different game. Yeah, but like, like so let's say it's 50, let's, let's say it's 30% Vampire, 30%. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Star Wars, D6. I think that it, I, I guess, I guess it depends on what you mean by helpful. Because like, I think that it's helpful in the sense that it describes the process. And when we talk about like, Passionis is a, like a third generation PBTA game. Yeah. Well, then what we're saying is Brandon didn't literally start with apocalypse world and work towards his game but he started with like a third generations removed from uh, of, of a basic rule set from apocalypse world yeah. towards his game and i don't know it's i think i think saying like pbta is an interesting like because i agree that that I, I i mean this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but i agree that saying that blades in the dark whether or not you want to agree that blades in the dark is a powered by the apocalypse hack yeah calling it a pbta game is not probably helpful yeah but it does sort of describe the process that the designers went through and i think that's a little theoretically and i, mean, I like, think that that's, like I, I i straight up do not like i haven't read the steps from blades in the dark starting yeah. as an apocalypse world game but like i i don't believe that it was an apocalypse world hack that like slowly morphed like i, I think mean, a decision I, I, was made of like okay this is not pbta anymore but that is still a gold license to to stick I, on it having i mean i don't really want to get into this argument but i i do see <clears throat> the bones there i see they're not like they're definitely not strong bones a lot of them are vestigial bones but i see the bones there i can see how you would start with power by the apocalypse and keep tweaking forever and so it's it's a kind of signaling so you're right. I guess. I guess even if it's, I I, I don't know. It's a really weird thing because I don't know what I, I guess. I don't know what you mean by useful. What do we mean by useful for? Who is it useful to? Like, because I, I think that if you're talking about is it useful to the player, then a person who like if you know how to play masks and you know how to play Apocalypse World and you love Urban Shadows and someone says to you, "Here is Blades in the Dark. It's a PPTA game." That's yeah, not that's really going to be a useful description. It's not going to help. You're going to be thinking in a totally wrong way. Yeah. And, and like as someone who GMs masks, masks a lot, I've had to unlearn a lot of things about the way I GM. Yeah. To relearn how to GM masks because of that. Now, if we're talking about it from a game design perspective, as a game designer, I can look at blades and definitely see structures that are powered by the apocalypse. But, but they're like, not, if, if I'm, if I'm designing a PBTA game, and I'm like looking for different PBTA games to pull systems from or like to pull moves from, mm -hmm. then I'm going to get to Blades in the Dark and be like, what is yeah, this? This is totally different. I mean, there are things in there that you could grab and pull like um, Hydro Hackers pulls a lot of the its neighborhood mechanics from as, as it was inspired by Blades in the Dark's neighborhoods or um, uh, your kind of crew base. Yeah. And Hydro Hackers is a much more traditional PBTA, PBTA game, game, but it pulled some of those influenced things. I, I think I'm coming around on like bl the best way to explain Blades in the Dark like, is that like, like Kingmaker from D and D. Like what? Isn't it? Uh, what's it called? Is it called Kingmaker? That adventure maybe, maybe. path that you have Blades a neighborhood. The, <laughs> Blades in the Dark is like a human being from another planet. Like it's like it's like a gray alien. In, so like in this instead, if you look at them objectively they're very different but you can see how or it's what's the um it's not that's not what i'm talking about but like what's the um the, there's a word for when two species on opposite sides of the planet who have never had any contact with each other both develop eyes uh convergent evolution convergent evolution that's what it it's feels like, everything like trying to make crabs it feels like if blades in the dark is from an alternate universe's powered by the apocalypse that have that developed <laughs> almost the same way, but just a little different in every place. <laughs> Blades in the Dark is a very interesting system, and at some point we should dive back into it. But I don't really yeah, want to have. I that love conversation Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> um, it's for, it's forged in the masquerade. So. <laughs> I don't know enough about Mas Vampire the Masquerade to really <laughs> argue with that, so we're gonna have to leave that on the table. This just no, this is just me being controversial at this point. Do 
I having run two sessions of it now, there are some things that you are absolutely right about Blades in the Dark. Yeah. There are a number of things that you were very wrong about. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and, and and but you're I think that there is more truth there's more truth to what you've been saying, I think, than people give you credit for. Um, perhaps myself included. I think last time we recorded, I had like fully come around to your side. Having yeah. run it a second time now, I'm coming back to I see where the design influence is now. And that that's fine. I'm just like, you know, a big part of this at this point is that it has become my brand to say that <laughs> Blades in the Dark is just a traditional yeah. game. So, okay. So now that we have a kind of rough idea... <laughs> <laughs> a very that rough hacking idea may or may not exist no so we i have, think we have an idea of what hacking and how it's different from full game design in the same way that blades in the dark is a pbda game yeah exactly but <laughs> really so I think, really roughly I think this answers the question of how has our podcast become this when we started <laughs> saying we were a hacking podcast which is that the answer to what's hacking and what's game design is really not clear i think it's the to same anyone. thing it's it's the same thing like I think that that we really wanted to differentiate them. Yeah. And I think that they're just not different. Like, it's one of them is like one of them is designing stuff. Maybe one of them is designing stuff within the same game and one is designing with a new title card on the top of it. But like, maybe not. I don't even know that there's any difference. It's kind of like because, again, I keep relating it back to music. And so that's where I say, like. You may design, you might, you might compose music and pull in a lot of Beethoven unknowingly because you've just listened to a lot of Beethoven. So you may use yeah. some melodies and chord progressions and stuff like that from Beethoven, not intentionally, just because it's part of your life and you bring your life experience to your composing. Or you might be some, remixing some person who is ex- explicitly remixing so maybe the difference between design game designing and hacking is that people who call themselves game hackers are just being a little more honest about what the process they're doing is <laughs> that sounds right to me to be honest so then based off of that do we think that there is any is there a skill or um kind of game design muscle that you're flexing when you're hacking versus game designing i think almost Rather than differentiating those two, I would say that that hacking is almost like that hacking is part of game design. And so like mm-hmm. that hacking skill is looking at what you have, seeing what your goal is, and finding a system that makes it work. Yeah. So like it's that hacking skill is looking at the fact that people are going to get hurt in your game and saying, do I want a harm mechanic? Do I want mm-hmm. HP? Do I want conditions? And grabbing the one that makes sense. Yeah. I was going to say, when I when I kind of initially wrote these questions down, the one thing I was going to say that you do when you do game design that you don't do necessarily when you're doing hacking is game like... Or like organize like structural organization, like in terms of mm. writing a rule book. Um, because I've started writing a rule book for this game that I am sort of in theory writing from scratch. Yeah. And that question of like where do I put things in my rule book is kind of a big question on my mind right now. Mm-hmm. But to undercut my whole argument, basically what I have been doing is just pulling up games that are similar to the layout of what I'm thinking and seeing yeah. how they did it. That's so exactly I'm still what really just doing. hacking their format. Yeah. And and I think that's okay. Like I think that that there is a definitive skill in stealing. Like stealing is stealing yeah. well. Stealing well in a way that makes your game design better, that makes your art better, that makes whatever yeah. creative design you have better is is like a skill. And like not if you don't flex that muscle, not only do you reinvent the wheel, but you maybe miss out on some really useful stuff. Yeah. It's the it's the thing I haven't gone on a rant about remix culture in a while, but like everything is a remix, <laughs> everything is hacking. Some people just don't acknowledge that. Yeah, and, and so like nobody's really doing anything in a vacuum. Yeah, absolutely. Un- unless like your parents raised you in a house and never let you go outside or experience other things, and they only trained you. Well, I don't know how you could train someone to design games without having shown them other games. <laughs> if you could find some way to teach someone about the elements of a game. But without bringing them any actual games, this is I my don't... Monopoly hack. It's called Blades in the Dark. 
I mean, <laughs> there's some bones there. There's some bones there. That's, that's um, I think that's gonna be the title of this episode. There's some bones. There's there. some bones there. I mean, you roll two d six, you end up in jail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Checks yeah, out. Yeah. God. Wow. I hate that. At I the, hate how. I hate end, how true oh, that is. At the end of your oh. scores, you get money. Oh my god! I when hate you pass this. go, I hate this so it's much. a circular design structure. <laughs> oh my god! Blades in the Dark is Monopoly. Powered by the Monopoly Man. Oh god! All right. Powered by beauty so- contests. <laughs> I gotta hate how accurate that is. It's so true. All right, let's move on. To you something get territory. Else you have territory, you control things. And as you, have you con- to, like as you control more territory, it becomes more stressful because there's more people around you controlling more territory. And more profitable. Yeah, yeah. Uh hate that. <laughs> I hate that it's accurate to say that Blades in the Dark is a monopoly hack. Yeah, it's a monopoly hack. Um, God. Alright. <laughs> I've changed my mind. It's not a trap yes. game. It is a board I'm ba- game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ba- I'm back on. I'm back on board with this. <laughs> Blades in the Dark is a monopoly game. Change our minds. Yeah, <laughs> come at me. No, don't come at me. I'm so tired. <laughs> Brandon isn't tired. I fought with someone on the internet for three hours today. Come at me. Um, I realized that I will be if I ever have kids who enter that like that phase where they're always just asking why. I will be a master at that because I just will answer them forever. <laughs> I'm good at that. Because I do it right now with, with idiots on the internet. <laughs> Plant your kid in front of me, and I will just talk to them forever. Some people call that a babysitter. Yeah, they will be, your kids in that phase will be smarter than some of the idiots I've <laughs> argued politics with online. So, um, all right. <laughs> Let's see. Where are we? What else can we possibly talk about? Um, so we wanted to talk about game design, hacking. Um, is creating a game without a, an existing base system a completely different thing? I guess. So th- there's actually here's here's one question. Um, are there ways in which hacking is harder than game design? Mm-hmm. And I, I think I that think there there absolutely, is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that one of the big like people talk about system mastery when they're running a game. And I think one of the things involved in being good at hacking games is having just like really broad system mastery of being able to say, I understand how this system works well enough that not only do I know how it functions within the game system, I know how it would function outside of the game system. Yeah. And I know that, and being able to like, being able to look at this game, look at a mechanic in a game and say, the game designer, it's 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 because it's a, it's a it's a there's another step there of not only understanding what the game mechanic does because if you're kind mm-hmm. of if you're if you're building a game from scratch, uh, you are you're coming at it like when I write that when I write mechanics and stuff for uh, a space between, I'm thinking here is the thing that I want my players to be doing when they engage with this system. Yeah. So how can I make the system reinforce that? And so. That's just and and yes, I'm bringing in my like the things that I've learned about how their game systems work, and yes, I've br- I'm bringing in other mechanics and and things like my preconceived notions about gaming. Um, but when you're doing, when you are hacking a game, you have to reverse like you have to do like you almost have to do the game that part twice because you're trying to figure out yeah. with the finished product you're saying what did the game designer want us to be doing when we interact with this product or with yeah. this mechanic how can i see those mechanisms moving mm-hmm. in the, in the mechanic how can i strip out what the what the other game designer wanted and then impose what i wanted and build the mechanic up back around it and how can i, think- I turn this take this terminator and <sighs> take all of the weird skin off until it's just the bones the metal bone. There's bones in there, Brandon. There's bones in How there. How can you get in there to the bones and then replace it with different liquid skin of your own creation? <laughs> and I think that you can really see that in a lot of the big like indie designers is that you'll start talking to them about one game and they'll talk to you about three other games in the time mm-hmm. that like that you you're introducing something, and that is because that broad breadth of 
of game knowledge is really really helpful it's why uh it's there's that, that there's the phenomenon where it's really easy to make a pbta game that is like technically playable yeah because you just like reskin some of the stuff and yeah. change some of the words and that's like a game that definitely does something and mm-hmm. it may even do what you want it to do but then when you look at a game that really is making the 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 system work and yeah. is really doing what it's supposed to be doing well then that's like you can clearly see this person didn't just reskin some of the stuff they truly understood what those mm-hmm. bones were doing and crafted them into a new spider yeah and like early on there were a lot of PBTA games that would kind of get created in like a couple months and just be done and kickstarted and a lot of them would fund because PBTA is mm-hmm. uh is a heck of a sticker to stick on there but like they didn't have anything new because the time wasn't spent to full to really understand how the systems work together and yeah. instead it was just a repaint and like that's that's fine if that's what you want yeah but like that because maybe, doesn't because maybe innovation. what you want is basically apocalypse world but yeah if like that's where everyone starts that's that that's that desire of i i like this game except yeah or i wish i love this game except that i wish yeah so yeah that's interesting um i definitely think that yeah figuring out what when you're when you're designing from scratch you're often building using mechanics that you've already internalized mm-hmm. and when you're hacking a game you're more often encountering new mechanics that you haven't necessarily internalized and doing the work to internalize them interesting i like that that's interesting Pull, pulling the bones out of that game and putting them into yourself internalizing into your those bones yes yeah eating the bones of other games yeah sucking the marrow from life are All we gonna right. need a are we gonna need like a content warning <laughs> Um, I think we should just stop. I think we've hit about an hour. Um, So I think to to save everyone their sanity, um, we should put this to rest. Um, So we will reach out to you listeners and let you know if we are doing a question and answer live session. Yeah. Um, Whether or not it's next week, we are definitely going to start soliciting people for questions because we are going to do a question and answer session regardless of whether or not it's live. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that soon anyway. So I will put up a, I'll tweet out and probably put in the Discord a link to a form where you can submit some questions. We'll start collecting those. And if we are going to do a live show, we'll, we'll, we'll tweet about that too. Yeah. We'll um, tweet about it um, from our Twitter account at Stop Back and Roll. Uh, or individually, I am at Bileon Gambetta. And I am at End the Meltdowns. You can find uh, episodes, links to our to some of the games. I should really update that website. Um, and some of the things about our podcast at www.stopbackandroll.com. You can email us at James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. I'm going to be real honest. I'm basically not responding to emails right now. I am too busy. <laughs> um, you can. I could probably get into your email. I could probably see. You probably could. If you like our podcast and would like to tell people about how much you like it, please go find it on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it and see if you can review it. Um, I know iTunes has a system for that. If you review it, give us five stars. Uh, It helps other people find it. If Stitcher or Spotify don't have reviewing systems, just write that review down on a piece of paper and mail it to Stitcher or Spotify, like just to their headquarters. Let them know that you like our podcast and that they should institute a review system that isn't as bad as iTunes. (laughs) They would be hard pressed to find a worse way to review things than iTunes. Yes. Um, We make this podcast with the support of our Patreon backers. Welcome to new backers like Kettle and Clock and Matthew Molyneux, as well as old favorites like Ben Titanhaler, Anthony Sheets, Riverhouse Games, Rich Howard, Michael Bowman, Richard Krutzlandry, Oliver Perks, and Ollie Jeffrey. If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out at patreon.com slash stophackandroll. If you can't support us financially, that's totally fine. Come be part of our community. You can sometimes ask questions about topics or suggest topics for shows at four o'clock the day before the podcast is going out and make and like radically change the shape of our podcast. Um, You can do that by joining us on our discord, um, which you can find at tinyurl.com slash SHR discord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. 
So as you're hacking apart a robot skeleton to put the pieces back together to make a giant chrome Monopoly man, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Roll.